Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. How can you claim you're a Christian, you have faith, You're a Christ follower in our Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others. So when we consider what God said, when we consider what Jesus thought, when we consider what Jesus taught, and we consider what Jesus modeled, there's no justification for us as Christians ever, ever to show favoritism. Just because someone is poor, new, sounds funny, or even wealthy, it doesn't give us the right in God's eyes to make fun of them, be mean to them, or even treat them differently. Pastor Mark will remind all of us that we were all created equal. God loves each of us equally. There is no greater than or less than in God's kingdom. We're just his children. Are you tempted to show favoritism inside or outside the church? We should see others as God sees them, equally loved and valuable in His sight. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 16, with his continuing study entitled, Love All People, No Favoritism. Matthew twenty two sixty. They sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Herod to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. That's amazing. And you teach the way of God truthfully. Look at this. You are impartial, speaking about Jesus, and you don't, you don't, you don't play favorites. Wow. Well, if I'm supposed to be like Jesus, that should have something to say to me this morning. Now, not only, how did they know this? Keep your finger right there. We'll be back. Let's turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Great story. I'll go through it very quickly. But I think it's a great challenge to me. You remember, Jesus had his disciples. He was teaching them how to do real life. That's what I try to do when I teach. Put it into things Uh, where you can see this is how, when you walk out of these doors at our campuses here in Melbourne, Avere, Sebastian, whatever, that you can go, okay, I I can do this now. Here's how I'm supposed to live. Well, Jesus uh, gets up, and you you know in John 4, look at at verse 4, we hear these words. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Just look at me for a moment. There was bias big time in Jesus' day against the Romans Jews don't like Gentiles. Gentiles don't like Jews. Religious people didn't like Jesus. They couldn't stand him. They couldn't stand his followers. They didn't like the followers of John the Baptist. And Samaritans in those days were a mix of Jew and Gentile. Actually, the Jews called Samaritan half-breeds. They had nothing to do with them. 
They would never go through their area. They were prejudiced. But God said to Jesus, now I want you to go through Samaria. See, God is showing Jesus he's not favorite, doesn't have favoritism for anybody. And he knows there's a woman there. So Jesus goes into Samaria. He, he walks with the disciples. He gets tired. They stop at a well. He's going to get a drink. And the disciples go into a fast food restaurant. They're going to bring some food back to Jesus. While Jesus is there, he meets a woman. She's a Samaritan. He begins dialogue with her. He discovers, and he actually knew this up hand. She didn't know he knew it. She'd been married five times and divorced. The reason she was at the well at noon, because nobody else would hang with her, because she had a bad reputation. She was currently living with the guy. And Jesus basically said to her, hey, would you like to stop all this? See, here's, here's our mistake. And when you invite people to church, just be praying for this. People think, I'll get my life straight, then I'm going to go to church. My friend, you'll never get your life straight. Jesus gets our life straight. Pedro was here on Friday night at the men conference. Great, great, great pastor from Calvary Chapel Kindle. He and his wife, early 20s, alcoholics. Couldn't beat it. One to die. Didn't even know if they could wake up the next morning. He walked into Calvary Chapel one day. Got saved. Their life has never been changed. It's never been the same. Everything is gone. How did that happen? Jesus. It's called the one-step program. Could I hear an amen somewhere? You see the one-step program right here. You're not beyond God changing your life forever. You just have to admit it, and he'll do it. Well, back to the story. The, watch what the lady says. Watch what this Samaritan woman says. Scoot on down to verse 9. Jesus had asked her for a drink. Look at verse 9. And the Samaritan would said to him, Jesus, Hey, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why in the world would you ask me for a drink? You see, she was shocked. Well, the disciples come back, finally, with their bag of happy meals or whatever they had, and they see Jesus talking. See, rabbis weren't to talk to women, to to a Samaritan woman, and they're shocked. What was Jesus saying? By the way, she gets saved. Her whole life changed. She goes into town, tells everybody. The whole town comes out, and eventually the town gets saved. What was Jesus saying? What was he teaching his disciples? He didn't care that she was a Samaritan. That's out the window. He didn't care that she was a woman. You can go to plenty parts of the world today where women are abused still. He didn't care that she was a sinner and living in sin. Jesus was saying to his discipleship, I don't care about any of that stuff. She needs her life changed. Bias, favoritism, who cares of her background? It's out the window. How about you? How do you look at a sinner, a person that's different, a person that wears something on their head? They're Muslim. Uh, That's not me. No, it isn't you. Do they need Christ? I told you what's happening in Egypt. Muslims coming to Christ like crazy. Remember, Jesus didn't die for white America. He died for the world. So after Jesus finished this, the guys were eating lunch, Jesus reached into his bag and he took out a sign. And he said to his disciples, Exactly. See, they were getting it. They watched how he actually treated people. 
You know, it's one thing to say it, something very different to live it. Now, Jesus was as gracious to the woman who touched the hem of his garment as he was to his friends, Mary and Martha. He was just as welcoming to the poor, blind Bartimaeus as he was to the rich, young ruler. He didn't show any kind of favoritism. Now, let me show you why the challenge. Back to James chapter 2, if you will. I'm going to put the first verse up at all of our campuses on the New Living Translation. I want you to see it. I think it makes it so clear to you. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim you're a Christian, you have faith, you're a Christ follower in our Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? So when we consider what God said, when we consider what Jesus thought, when we consider what Jesus taught, and we consider what Jesus modeled, there's no justification for us as Christians ever, ever to show favoritism. Would you write this down? This is what James is teaching. Favoritism is not compatible with faith in Christ. You see, if you claim to be a Christ follower, a Christian, and then you're going you're gonna to learn to think and act like Jesus. Well, we already just saw Jesus didn't care if she's a woman. He didn't care if she was Samaritan. He didn't care if she was Arab. He didn't care if she had black skin, yellow skin, red skin, white skin. He didn't care what her background was before. He didn't care that there was two women living in lesbianism. He didn't care about any of that stuff. She needed Jesus. And he presented Jesus as a way to change her life forever. You see, if I'm going to be like him, I can't show favoritism to people. So what is James saying to me? Next thing to write down. It's not just what I think. Notice, I'm to treat people like Jesus treated people. Equal. Now, if you're struggling with that, it's not God, it's you. It's not God, it's you. You have to get your head screwed out right. Every person was made in the image of God. He loves them. He loves them. Every single one of them. Your worth doesn't come from where you live. It comes from who died for you. Now, I'm going to talk about an area that's difficult. I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. It's a difficult one. But if there's favoritism in the home with our children, there's disaster coming. So let me just go through and explain what I'm talking about. When there's more than one child in a home, there's a danger of favoritism. We see this in the Bible in many, many cases where one parent favored another child and the other spouse favored another child. It was disaster every single time. Now, let me share this with you. Our kids seem to know this. They'll strive for either the mother's or the father's love and attention. They're going to go for it. And and we have to recognize that, and we have to kind of just play the middle road because all our kids are equal. Now, the bias can come actually from birth order. Some of you, this is my firstborn. (laughs) And then some of you, this is our, this is our, whoops, surprise, last baby. Wow, the baby, fantastic. The middle piece, a piece of cheese, the middle kid. He's just (laughs) worth nothing. You say, Pastor Mark, that doesn't happen. Uh, 
See, that's a disaster. Then sometimes we show favoritism, well, because of a child's gender. Do you know in India, right now this morning in India, uh, an Indian person cannot get an ultrasound? The, the wife. Why can't she get a, a mother? Why can't she get an ultrasound? Because if it's a girl, they're going to abort the girl. In China, it's starting change in China. What's happened in China? When they can only have one child, what did they want? A boy. So what did they do? They aborted all the girls. And you know what we have trouble in China now? Too many men, not enough wives for them. Disaster. Just disaster. You say, well, let's, come on. I've heard, actually heard people say, I didn't really want a boy. And you're going to tell that to that child? That's a disaster. Also, it can happen, not just from that. It can happen because of a child's temperament or a child's gifting. Why, why aren't you smart like your brother? Say, no parent would ever say that. And let me just say this. We're human. Maybe your parents said that to you. It will affect you your whole life, except if you come to the place and say, my worth isn't what my parents thought about me. My worth is what God thinks about me. You, you can overcome it. But a teenager doesn't understand that. They don't get it. And it affects their whole life. So we have a role model of how it's supposed to be. I want to challenge you as a parent. Look at, on the overhead. Our role model is God the Father. God the Father. Jesus said this, but to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. And then he goes on. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. Here's what I want you to write. Everyone, our grandchildren the same. Linda and I have to watch our grandchildren. We want to treat them equal. Doesn't matter which family, doesn't matter their age, doesn't matter their personality, doesn't matter their IQ. We have to treat them the same. Here, love and treat each child as equals. That's a word from the Lord. Now, maybe you've blown it. And maybe your kids know that you love them. But I want to challenge every parent, single parent or couples, doesn't matter. During the next week, get this verse, John 1, 12, and 13, and sit down with your children and just say this to your children. We love you equally. Each of you are different, but you're special to us. And by the way, God loves you just as you are. And then pray over your kids. Can I hear an amen? amen. Is that hard? Yeah. Is it worth it? Yes. Our kids need to hear they're loved by their parents. By their parents. So... As we see all that happening, I wish I could say to you this morning that there's no favoritism in our churches, but that's not true. Go back to James chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom of God? He promised those who love him. Let me ask you to look at me for a moment. When we see the Scripture, much of the Scripture, and I'm going to allude to it in a moment, much of the Scripture, many of the people who initially come to Christ 
were poor. Now, there's lots of rich people in the church too. But notice, and you'll see this in a moment when we go back to chapter 1 just for a couple of verses. Poor people, what resources do they have? You saw from Haiti last week. They don't have many resources. So who do they eventually have to trust in? God. That's why they come to God. Rich people, they have lots of resources. They have friends. They can pull strings. They can buy this. They can buy that. Except when it gets to an area of health and things like that, they can't buy it. Then they turn to God. So that's what James is saying. He says that God has blessed many people, poor, rich, doesn't matter, because they're going to be strong in faith. And let me just say this way. It doesn't matter what you own here. It's what you're storing up there. Did you get me? Because you're going to leave it all here. It's the spiritual wealth, never the physical wealth. Now, let me read on. And now he's going to say to these people in the church, you're basically poor, and they were. He's going to say, but there's people outside abusing you. Look at verse 6. But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? Even in the Old Testament, God said this in Exodus 23, do not show favoritism to a poor man in a lawsuit. You see, James was saying that poor of the world kind of get God's special blessing. So I can't treat, you're poor? Uh, you're not very spiritual. No, well, that's 100% wrong. You're rich. Oh, you're really spiritual. No, that has nothing to do with it. Understand, to the rich and the poor, to God, it doesn't matter. This isn't who we are. Don't let that ever define you. It's not about physical wealth. It's spiritual wealth. Now, go back to, just for a second, to chapter 1. Chapter 1. I did get to chapter 2, so you're going to applaud me. Go back to chapter 1, we're going to finish something, because it's very important. I left it out when we were going through chapter 1 because of this. Now look at verse 9. All of our campuses, B.R. Sebastian, you guys online, watch this. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. Now what does that mean? It means if I'm humble and I don't have a lot of resources, then I can take pride that when I'm going through a trial... I can trust God and I'll have strong faith because that strong faith is going to make me a very, very satisfied because one day I'm going to go to heaven. And then he mentions the rich person. Look at the rich person. He says to the rich person, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall. Its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even when he goes about his business. Remember, chapter one was about trials. Let me ask you a question. Only poor people experience trials. Rich people never experience trials. Of course they do. And the poor person, when they experience a trial, who are they going to depend on? God, what else are they going to have? The rich person, initially, what's he depend on? What's she depend on? What they have. And God says, sometimes I'll just bring you low. To do what? Have to depend on God. Now, we've seen that in our world. So the bottom line is this. Trials bring the poor and the rich to be what? Because eventually they're going to have to what? Trust in God. The key is not to focus on the abundance or the lack of stuff we have on earth, but the wealth we're storing up in heaven. By the way, you say, well, Pastor Mark, who's really poor and who's really rich in our campuses? Let me just say this to you. Every single person in our campus is rich. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm at minimum wage. Let me take you to India tomorrow morning. In India... There's 300 million people called the Dalits. They're untouchables. 
Their kids start working when they're five or six. Loads of rice on their back at five and six. You want to tell me you're not rich? Sure, we're all rich. Let me ask you this morning, why, ladies? Why were you born here and not in India? I can't answer that. So don't think you're not rich. You're rich. Now, some are way more rich than others, but that's okay. And it has nothing to do with our spirituality. Do you understand that? It has nothing to do. You don't look at a person and go, well, you know why we have bias toward the rich? Because we're hoping they can do something for us. Careful. Oh, I know this guy is really rich. I'm trying to go to the Super Bowl. I wonder if I can be a friend of his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We name drop. We name drop. I worked in the medical field for many years. Let me show you where rich and poor really hits the ground. When you go to a hospital and you're going to have to have surgery, when you walk in the operating room, oh, you've got your IV and you have your drugs and you're all over the place and they got a nice gown on you for a moment. Now you're naked. <laughs> Thank God you're out of it. You're naked. Everybody's looking at you. Oh, he's rich. She's amazingly rich. <laughs> now, sometimes I could tell because you've had all this surgery and things like that. <laughs> I just threw that in for fun. Here's what I learned because I've worked a lot of medical things. I've, looked a lot, I've brought people that have collapsed. I've been in surgery rooms. I've watched people die as I'm pumping on their heart. But when you go to the operating room and you're naked, we are all... It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you drove to the hospital in or where you're going if you get out. You see, when you die, you're going to go to the ground. You're going to be cremated. doesn't matter. Because right after that, you're either going to heaven with God or hell. It has nothing to do with your money. It doesn't have anything to do with your name. It doesn't have anything to do with your IQ. It has to do with the grace of God. Do you get it? You see, but we put all this stuff, bias because of this, that, and the other. No, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit doesn't fit at all. So what does God say to us? He warns me. He warns you. Notice this statement. God says both rich and poor should be traded as equals. You don't look at a person and go like dollar signs. That's why, in case you don't know, many of you probably don't, none of the pastors here know who gives or how much they give. I learned that from my dad. Why don't I know how much you give or even if you give? Why don't? So I won't ever look at you different. Sometimes Christians in the church can show favoritism, as I've already mentioned a couple of times, because we prejudge unbelievers. We believe that they're not as good as us. Their, their lifestyle makes us uncomfortable. But Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 says that every single one of us were dead in our trespasses and sins, until God's grace came. Are you rich? Are you poor? Pastor Mark opened today's teaching with these simple questions. But these questions mean a lot in regards to today's teaching. We often judge people by the amount of money they make or what clothes they wear. James told us not to show favoritism. God created all of us as equals. Yes, some of us may make more money, but none of that will get us to heaven. Only a relationship with Jesus will. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Did Jesus treat everyone as equals? Pastor Mark will show us next time on Lessons for Living that yes, He did treat everyone as equals. He loved tax collectors and children the same. He showed kindness to women living in sin and to people hungry to hear his teachings. Everyone deserves to hear and be loved by God. We must be sure we don't get in the way of that with our favoritisms. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Let us hear your